Dead men tell no tales. Fifteen men loaded in man's chest. Yo ho ho and a bottle of rum. Drink and the devil had done for the rest. Yo ho ho and a bottle of rum. The ship with black sails that's crewed by the damned. Welcome aboard the Black Pearl. Welcome to the Black Pearl Show. Pirates of the Caribbean podcast where we analyze, scrutinize, and plunder, yeah, the Pirates of the Caribbean films, and yes, the expanded universe, we dabble in history, stress the euphemisms, and strive to have a hell of a good swashbuckler time almost every week. I'm Scott Artist from the bit outdated scottartist.com. Yeah, time to make some updates probably there, but it's still there. We're all good, I believe. If it hasn't gone down, you know. No. Should be there. I should check on it, actually. <laughs> Probably a good idea. <laughs> and I'm Heather Artist from BlackPearlShow.com. You seem a little sleepy. It wasn't even very loud. I can't remember loud. where I'm from. <laughs> that doesn't shock anybody who's been listening to this show, for one thing. <laughs> you changed it on me. Well, a long time ago now. It's, it's about time you get this in your memory. I mean, my God. Thanks for joining us for the latest episode, episode 106, season 2. Another show dedicated to that little old movie franchise, Pirates of the Caribbean. Perhaps you heard of it. We're plundering minutes 112 and 113. It's Dead Man's Chest time, right? Yes. Happy New Year, actually. Scallywags out there. Buccaneers, blooming cockroaches, whatever you want to call yourselves. Thought we said Happy Happy New Year on the last episode. Yeah, but that was pre-New Year. That was a pre-Happy New Year. We oh, said, okay. This is official Happy New Year. Happy New Year because it's like the first episode since... That New little years. old calendar change. Yeah. I don't know. You know. What? I was trying to like see what news was out there and stuff, but I didn't really get anything. But there was something that was, I think I had for a while back and I never really talked about it. So I thought I'd mention it here. Blasphemy. Well, kind of. Maybe some people out there know. But uh, before we actually officially get going, did you know there's a Pirates of the Caribbean mobile game going on? It's not something. Uh, no. Yeah, I didn't either. What is it? Well, just hold your horses. Hold your <laughs> scally bags. There you go. And I said bags. Yes, I did. Really? But it's something released not all that long ago, and I haven't actually played it. Not a real big mobile game person. What? I'm not a big mobile game person. Okay, toy box. No. Toy. Uh, I haven't even touched it in a long blast. time. What is it? That's because you were playing it and I had Toy to see what blast? was going on. But listeners can let us know if they've played the Pirates of the Caribbean mobile game. Give us their reviews via the Pirate Hotline, 8637Pirate, of course, or on social media or that little old thing called email, podcast at blackpearlshow.com. Okay, here, here's the official description. So here you go. It's almost going to seem like this is an ad, like a paid advertisement. Is so it? I'm looking at uh, you, Disney, for a license. <laughs> is that the maker of the game? Well, they're behind it. They gave them the license. That's what I was going to refer to. Oh, okay. So it's like a hint for them Oh, about us and the show. You know, something like that. We don't want to pay them the license fee, though. 
But if you've ever dreamed of searching for a treasure with Captain Jack Sparrow, going head-to-head against the vile Hector Barbosa, launching a brave escape out of Davy Jones's locker, or taking the flight to the East India Trading Company, Pirates of the Caribbean Tides of War is the mobile game for you. There you go. How's that for my kind of commercial introduction? That was great. Developed by Joy City, the game puts you in the boots of treasure-loving pirate of your own creation and at the helm of your very own fleet of ships for a series of adventures inspired by the Disney movies. This free-to-play title not only lets you join up with some of the most beloved pirates of the Pirates of the Caribbean movies, including Captain Jack Sparrow, who thrust you into the... There you go, thrust. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Into the trouble almost as soon as your story begins, but also lets you take a deep dive into the intricacies of naval warfare. Tides of War features an epic story involving Jack's lost memories, which sets you on an adventure through the events of the movies. <gasps> Whew! I almost made it, but I couldn't. As well as an addictive strategy element that caters to both hardcore real-time strategy game fans and casual players. So there you go. Check it out. Pirates of the Caribbean Tides of War. And I'll be sure to collect my ad revenue from Joy City and Disney for that advertisement. It's actually a, co- a couple others. Games? Yeah, yeah, there have been some other mobile games, but I think this is the most recent edition. Oh. That's why I was bringing it up. Okay. But I There's was a more trivia cu- game. Is it? There is. Oh, there is a trivia game. Yeah. Really? Oh, well, then trivia maybe... Trivia for Pirates of the Caribbean. Well, that may be something that we're going to have to do then. Maybe, yeah. Okay, well, maybe we'll have to do something about that on the show. But anyways, this game, I'd be curious if anybody's played it out there. That's all I was bringing it up for. Well, thank you. And I was stalling to... Really, that was the whole point is, again, the stalling aspect, because I was curious, I don't know, do you have a Pirate Word of the Week? Ahoy there, scallywags. Pirate Word of the Week in five, four, three, two, yarr. Fiddler's Green. Fiddler's Green. Any guesses? Well, I don't know. I've heard it before, but I can't really place it. So it's a no. It's a no. I'm not going to embarrass myself. It's a happy land imagined by... Yeah, okay, that's right. Okay, go for it. A happy land imagined by sailors where there's a fiddle fiddle that never stops playing for dancers who never tire. Plenty of grog and unlimited tobacco. Huh. Fiddler's Green, I think that's maybe... I think I've heard that somewhere and I don't know where. Somewhere in my travels. It's been used since the 19th century. Huh. It's uh, by British sailors have called the traditional heaven from... Mariners, Fiddler's Green. Mariners or Mariners? I'm sorry, Mariners. Mariners. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, those Mariners. They're always just out on the ocean. Whatever, dude. Shut up. Uh, What? What's what's this show without a little making fun of the host S there? Yeah. I don't know. Fiddler, though. Talking Fiddler, Fiddler's Green, it only reminds me of the devil went down to Georgia. Well, you know, because yeah, he was uh, looking for a soul to steal. He was in a bind. He was way behind. Just willing to make a deal. Anyways, we're not going to do any Charlie Daniels thing on here, but... We aren't? No, we're not. It's not going to make it in there? No. I, I don't know. It depends if I if I put it, a cut on that. But the real reason we're here is not because we're going off to our own Fiddler's Green <laughs> here. We're actually here to talk about... Norm. Okay, nor am I to sing anymore. That's... I'm going to try and put that off for a little while longer. But we're actually here for minutes 112 and 113 of Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man's Chest. So in the previous minutes, there's a few surprises. Elizabeth pouts, Pintel and Rigetti <laughs> steal, Jack pokes Will with his sword, then runs off to church with Norrington. Wow. Well, that's, that's, it happened. 
And Will shows off his balancing sword skills. Again. Quite the Pirates of the Caribbean cliche, if you ask me. Because there was one thing that we did forget to talk about last time. We forgot something? Yeah. It was blatant. The fact that Captain Sparrow actually kind of poked Will with his sword. And that's not a euphemism of the week. (laughs) That actually happened. Will kind of did a Pillsbury Doughboy kind of thing there. But anyways, we can maybe we can revisit that. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Minute 112 begins with Captain Jack Sparrow stepping onto the mill's roof behind Norrington, who is busy fighting with Will. Jack finally manages to snake the key to the chest away from Dorrington. Or Dorrington. (laughs) This is live as it happens right here. Dorrington. It's like, uh, find Dorrington. (laughs) He's on the church. (laughs) Got lost. Lost and now he's he's on the church. Don't worry, guys. They'll find him. Minute 113 ends with Will and Norrington fighting atop a water wheel. Oh, Wonder Wheel. Oh, Mighty Wonder Wheel. 1980s reference. Early 80s. 82, maybe. we were talking songs again. No. While Jack does his best hamster wheel impersonation before knocking himself unconscious, we cut to Pintel and Rigetti happily running in the jungle with the dead man's chest. By the way, it's the toy with Richard Pryor. Oh, okay. Yeah. You don't remember that. Where he gets, uh... Hired by one of the... Hap- oh, you I get, remember, you remember the movie. Okay. I don't remember the Wonder Wheel part. That's in the beginning. That's where Scott Schwartz, I think it is, is the kid, sees Richard Pryor cleaning the store, but he's playing with the Wonder Wheel. Mm. And that's where he says he wants him. In a not-so-politically-correct time frame. Shouldn't really do that these days. <laughs> Let's not touch that with any size pole. <laughs> I'm going to make myself cough. So before we... We do have to go back and touch on that because it was a blatant, just like a misstep, a, a mission. Jack actually kind of stabbied uh, Mr. Will poked there. Poked wheel. Wheel. Poked wheel. wheel. Oh, wheel. Wheel turner. This is going to be one of those episodes, isn't it? The rum, the wine, dessert wine. This episode brought to you by Cosentino. But anyways, he did get like kind of a poke in there. Right? Yes. But it doesn't obviously do any damage. It's kind of it like a... catches Will off guard. Well, I mean, anybody that gets stabbed by a sword is going to be caught off guard, I would think. You're <laughs> like, oh my god, I just got stabbed. But does he, Poke. like, hit the... Like a belt buckle? Or is it just a gentle, like... There you go, feel the tip kinda, of my sword? I'm not sure he hit him with the tip. Then what? <laughs> I think he kind of hit him with the side of the sword. Down low, you know, part of the sword. And he hit his clothing, and so that's why it didn't do anything. I don't know. It was like the leather part of his clothing. Well, maybe he hit the leather part, but he still... I mean, you're not thrusting with the side of your sword. No, he was swinging it. He wasn't thrusting. Are you sure he was swinging it? Yeah. I thought he was... No, he a... wasn't thrusting. Arr! He was <laughs> He was swinging. This, honestly, we're talking about a sword fight here. <laughs> this, is, <laughs> this is not some kind of play-by-play... You know, uh, other kind of film thing here. This is uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, the the actual Disney film. That's what we're talking about. He swung his sword out about waist height of Will. Yeah? He didn't jab him. I, I have to remember. I thought he no. jabbed him no, with his sword. No, he swung sword. it out. He didn't jab him. He got him with the tip. No, he didn't get him with the tip. He got I him with the blade. I thought that's what happened, but that's no. that's my take on it. But maybe mm-hmm. he hit his kind of leather belt thing. Yep. His leather part of his clothing. Yeah. Safety. And so it didn't do anything. Will was wearing protection. That's always good. <laughs> but I'll tell you, 
I was a bit bummed that we're still kind of in this Wonder Wheel fighting scene. Not that we really started. We just started- got on the wheel no. just now. Okay, I'm not talking about Wonder Wheel itself. But still I'm talking fighting? about the fighting, yeah. Why? It's moved along. I know it's moved along, but I need something for the show. <laughs> That's what I needed. I wasn't feeling very creative. But now they're on a wheel. I know, but you know what I'm saying. I, I just wasn't feeling quite creative enough. And so I was looking for some real nice tidbits. And the like, fight, the continuation like of the fighting, yeah, exactly, wasn't doing it for me. I mean, at least we get some dialogue finally. But the fighting continues and it can just be a pain to cover and break down after what we've covered, you know, um, already in, during the fight now. And it's not like I have a lot of background to dive into either, okay? That's all I'm saying. But I do like the return of Jack the Trickster. His Bugs Bunny antics. I mean, it makes him, you know, it brings back the nostalgia from season one when we first introduced that concept. And it's almost like a superpower that comes out when he's threatened, too. Yeah. Because it's one of those crazy things he's done. And I'm not sure we really talked about kind of his strategy. But it's kind of strange after all these episodes and this trickster talk. He manages to pull off this kind of third person speak. I mean, he completely removes his name from the scenario when explaining to Norrington that it wasn't he who is responsible for all that has befallen Norrington. It was Will who set this in motion. Not the said pirate, as, as Jack says. Said pirate, you know? Yeah. That's such a great way to take the heat off of himself, though. It's like a trickster at it again kind of thing. Because the idea is is you can deflect this and put this back on the other pirate. This other unnamed said pirate. Because it's not enough that he makes the case that it's Will's fault. But he goes like this extra step to separate himself. He's like standing right in this predicament and it places it on like somebody else. This other person, this said pirate. It's a nice deflection. That's what I like about it. Were you going to say something? Before yeah, I I w- up in the beginning of the minute here. Oh, you're stepping back? Yeah, you just kind of jumped. What did I miss, though? Because, the, because we're right at the, the dialogue part. I, I, yeah, I know. Okay, what do you got in before the beginning, that? When... <laughs> in the beginning. My God, this is going to be a long episode then. <laughs> when Will and Norrington are on the roof, and then Jack finally gets on the roof, right? Yeah. And he's grabbing for the key. Yeah, okay, so you're stepping back to the key grab. Yeah. Jack's a little handsy. He's trying to grab the key from Norrington, but Norrington didn't have the key at that time. Will did. So how did Norrington get the key? No, wait, we got to step back. So Jack had the key in the church, right? Mm -hmm. Norrington gets the key when he pushes Jack against the wall. Yes. Jack goes down the pulley rope. Mm -hmm. Will goes up the pulley rope. And grabs the key And grabs the key on the way up. Mm Mm-hmm. He's kind of in the rafters. They break out onto the roof. They're fighting. They're on the circle window kind of stonework there. Uh-huh. It never changes hands. Yeah, when does that change hands? They're on the roof. Norrington's closest to Yeah, how, to did, Jack. Norrington, how did Norrington get the key? But Norrington never had the key at that point in time. Yeah. Will had the key. But in the movie, Norrington had the key. And he's oh. holding it in his arm and holding it back. And that's when Jack's that trying to grab it from him. That must be a weird cut scene. They cut something out then, right? They must have cut something out yeah. that we didn't see. Yeah. Where he got the cause key. Because Will would have had the key. If you follow right. it. Because I followed it in slow motion the whole time. And it never changed hands. Hmm. So it's the and case all of, of the, a seven, the All of a sudden, key. Norrington had the key. The, the uh, transporting key. Yes. Hmm. I okay. Even did, I even did slow motion. 
Well, that's good. Frame I guess. by frame. Oh, it's trying not to good. figure it out. Whatever. But you caught it. Okay. That's right. Because Norrington didn't have the key. Will had right. the key. Exactly. Oh, continuity. You are a beast. All right. Well, at least we found. And did that. you see this this chore- choreography? What's the whole thing? you of? Choreography. No, that doesn't remind me of a song. I'm sorry, <laughs> you crazy woman. What kind of song is that? It's a song on White Christmas, the beatnik one. That's not. It's not called choreography, is they it? They say choreography in it. Do they? Yeah. So anyway. I do not really. I okay. I know this is post Christmas, but we watch White Christmas okay annually. Yes. And I don't like the beatnik aspect of it. <laughs> Can they just have that without the the beatnik stuff? <laughs> you know, all of a sudden they break into some weirdo. Black outfit beatnik stuff that reminds me of that old Saturday Night Live skit with Mike Myers, and they're all dressed as kind of the German sprockets, or I think it was something <laughs> like that. Yeah, that's obscure. Okay, go look for it. You'll see what I mean. Pull up White Christmas beatnik and then go look at sprockets from SNL. Okay. Now back on our thing. So after Jack has the key, you have Norring- Norrington and Will fighting Jack to get the key back. Right? Yeah. And when Will goes to get Nor- get uh, Jack with his sword, Norrington ducks at just the right time. Yeah. Every time. So it's pl- completely oh. choreographed. Yeah. I think it was actually Terry or Ted were talking about that. Just the amount of time that it took to film this scene, I guess, was pretty incredible. Yeah. Just because of the choreography itself, getting all the timing down. And I mean, you can see some spots where it's clearly... Not Johnny Depp, Orlando Bloom, Davenport, you know. Oh, they were real. Um, because of some of it. But it, I think it works well. It works in the spirit of Pirates of the Caribbean. It definitely ties well into the ride. Oh, yeah. That is like stuff made for the ride right yeah. there. The whole, I mean, you can almost see it as kind of an animatronic motion where they're fighting and someone's ducking and it's perfectly timed. Someone's trying to grab the key. It's all. It just reminds me of that so much in the in the original ride. Yeah, with that aspect of it, and that's what I think is great about this movie is the tie to the ride. And I don't know if it's on purpose or if it's not on purpose or unintentional, I should say. But as fans of the ride, you can see that and you can almost bring it in, or or it's maybe like we're making the connection that's not really there. But it, it is really a good. I, I just really think it's a really good connection to the ride, and it reminds me of it whenever I see that particular yeah. scene. Yeah. There we go. Can't shake your head at me. If you got stuff, say no, it. No, I'm good right You're now. good now? I'm good I don't now. Even know I where do I have was. information on uh, the wheel, but we can wait for it. Well, I don't think we're on the wheel yet, though. I know. That's what I said. We can wait for it. And I don't even know if I was done with the whole trickster Bugs Bunny thing. I don't know thing. if you were. I don't remember either. I mean, I think where I was talking, where we were. You were talking at, about Jack turning yeah, it well, away well, from he, himself. He, the whole thing is is basically him kind of doing a Seinfeld routine here by and he's done this before where he kind of talks in the third person thing. And Seinfeld did it in a number of episodes. That's why I'm, you know, kind of bringing it up. But George is getting upset or the Jimmy or whatever the heck it was called. Elaine did the Susie thing. But he he's it, the whole idea is he's just deflecting and and making it like it's not him even though it is him and it's somebody else trying to do that. Norrington does say that Jack is right. That is true. He does say that. Saying that it's not Jack, it's him. Yeah, but he still has a thing for wanting to take revenge. Yes. And all that. And I think more importantly, 
we get a good insult because we haven't had one of those in a while. Norrington has like levied this blow to his ego by calling him a jack. <laughs> by calling him a jack. No, Jack calls him a <laughs> rum pot deckhand who takes orders from pirates. Yeah. I mean, it's no blooming cockroaches, but being called a drunkard by a drunkard and pointing out that he's just a mere pirate deckhand. I mean, it's not so good for uh, a once adorned Commodore. That's all I'm saying. Exactly. And then there's uh, what? What were you going to say? You going to jump in? You just making noises over there? I wasn't. Did you make noises. any noises? Am I hearing things? Yeah. Oh, there is a big storm here in the city. We're not in the city. The outskirts of it. We're in the San Francisco Bay Area. The greater. Yeah. The much greater. Okay. To be honest, we're in Napa County. There we go. Yeah. We have one of those missing moving line cases here. Something that appeared in the trailer, but in the final movie, it fell to the cutting room floor. So it's like uh, while Jack is making this case for Will, kind of, uh, you know, Will be the root cause of all of Norrington's problems. He also said, I was nothing more than almost an innocent bystander. So that's what Jack was saying during that whole <laughs> said pirate routine. Is it? It was in the trailer, but not in the final movie. I was nothing more than an almost innocent bystander. And I think it's a good line because Jack recognizes he wasn't quite so innocent, but you know that he he was not like the catalyst for all the dominoes falling against the once Commodore. I, can, I mean, I can see why it didn't make the cut because it wasn't needed, even though it's on kind of point with Sparrow's dialogue. And his character? Yeah. I mean, his case was made already. Nothing could hold Norrington and his anger back or blame or whatever already. So, poof, the line disappears in the final movie. But I think that it's on point with the whole character. And and it's almost kind of a doublespeak thing. And that I don't know. I don't know if I have anything. And plus, you're trying to get me to laugh on <laughs> the thing. So, it's, it's really annoying. There you go. <laughs> it's a good line. But like you say, it wasn't needed. No, but uh, it might be. I almost would have liked to maybe see something else go. And I don't know what that would be at this particular point. I don't know. We also get uh, another second crystal ball moment in this minute. All the way back in the beginning of the movie, we get a couple of bad omens. We may have talked about the raven. Probably we did. I think we talked about ravens in the very beginning. I think so. Certainly Jack in a coffin. Escaping a coffin maybe as well. Yeah. But nonetheless... There is a Jack in a coffin here while he escapes as Norrington turns to Will to unleash his inner beast. Is he in a Falls coffin into a grave. Or in a grave. Falls into a grave. But that's what I'm saying. That's where coffins go. The oh, grave, yeah, you, coffin. That's yeah. all the symbology right it. there, right? Yeah. yeah. It's the idea that this is telling a bit of the future. Like, what does the future hold for Captain Jack Sparrow? Maybe not so good. I know. You know, there's a lot of coffin imagery that's been going on in this movie. With Jack especially. And then what's interesting... Is even though that there's some like this foreshadowing of what maybe is going to happen later on in this movie with Jack in the grave or Jack in a coffin. Yeah. You can then take that other leap and go, spoilers for anybody who hasn't seen Dead Man's Chest, Jack gets out of the grave and Jack gets out of the coffin. So we're all good. Yeah. It's kind of a full circle coffin to life thing. But I just thought I would point that out. He does escape both of those. Perhaps one of the more famous scenes in Dead Man's Chest, because this is where you were going, is the wheel. We don't get all the wheel action here, but it does fall on point with a hamster theme. And I didn't even catch that until I heard Terry and Ted talking about this scene, and then they were wondering if Verbinski got his kids a hamster before he started filming the movie. (laughs) 
Because they were saying there's the bone ball that they're all doing an escape in and Pelagosto. Yeah. Then, you know, it's the whole hamster ball thing. And now we get the hamster wheel. Hmm. So that's why they were wondering if there was a theme with hamsters that uh, Gore was, you know, happened to. It's like it was right on his mind. He had visited a Petco and then all of a sudden was filming the movie. <laughs> and I don't know. I mean, I like it. It doesn't bother me. I mean, I'm going to see if it holds up as we move on in the next minutes. But it's not so over the top. Okay, it is over the top. But it's not over the top like the flip the canyon on Pelagosto thing that really oh, no. irritates me. Yeah. So I'm good. It's a bit of fun. I'm not so sure the CGI wheel sticks jack is... It, it, it's like, it's not as seamless so, but it's minor. It's it's when Jack gets shoved into the wheel, when his head's poking out of the grave. Yeah. It's a little weird transition right there when the wheel actually goes over him. Oh, because it makes it look like he just goes between a couple of slats and is brought in. And then, but you see, it's like he kind of had to break through something. Yeah. And I don't get that vibe when I'm seeing the him get run over by the wheel and then caught up in it. But like I said, that was just a minor thing that he gets uh, gets in there. And I was, you know, it does make me nervous. I'm going to tell you when I see him get caught up in that, that I worry <laughs> that his legs are going to come around before he gets out of that. <laughs> Because I think that would hurt. <laughs> you know, his legs are poking out and it's yeah. going to do it. I mean, you might not be able to bend so nicely. I don't know. Depends how that falls. I mean, Do they might... actually show you how he gets in there? He gets in the... Yeah. What do you mean? Do they actually show you make him as he makes his way in there? Or do they go to something <sighs> else? Now I'm going to have to look at the minute again. I don't remember. I kind of don't think they do. Okay, goes around with him partway. And then when it gets to Norrington and Will, I think they're just focus on them fighting and then the next thing on jack he's inside i don't remember the wheel. you'd think that just doing minutes by minutes that we would have that down no i don't remember now yeah i think so yeah i don't know what everybody else out there thinks of the the wheel but uh it is a famous scene for dead man's chest for sure and this is it's not really a wonder wheel even though i was referring <laughs> Do it as it's a wonder a meal wheel. It's a mill wheel. Uh, wheel. I'm going to say water wheel. I like water wheel. Because what if it wasn't just in a mill? But technically, I think both are correct. The mechanics of ancient power is what it is. Because the two main functions of water wheels, yeah, I said water wheels, that they're historically water lifting for irrigation purposes and as a power source. So when used for water lifting, power can be supplied by either human or animal force or by the water current itself. And it's not clear from the available historic text. Yeah, a deep dove here. And maybe a bit of archaeology on the weekends that I do. Whether the water mill... Okay, there you go. How about a water mill? Water mill wheel. If it originates in Egypt, India, Greece, or regions in between. But usage within just a few decades of each other's cultures in the 4th and 3rd centuries BCE is documented over a large like part of Eurasia. So it's like there was almost a freaking water wheel explosion at one point. It just within Isn't it just that spread. Like what happens with well with a new technology new like technology? that? Technology. It looks like it. it. Looks like somebody is running off to sell the goods. Well, gotta get it before somebody else figures. Look it at out. those poor slobs doing that when they could actually have a water wheel. Exactly. And then it got they're like, "What the heck's a water wheel? Do you mean a mill wheel?" And he's all, "No, yeah, you know." And then it goes back and forth, and finally everybody's got a water wheel all of a sudden. Mill wheel wheel. It's based on the design of the wheel from this movie that i can see being that there's like this trough above where the water would spill from you know above and the 
kind of the design of the buckets themselves. This is called an overshot wheel. There you go. Everybody's getting a history breakdown of a mill or water wheels. Overshot, though. Because typically an overshot wheel has the water channeled to the wheel at the top and it's slightly beyond the axle. The water collects in the buckets, if you've never seen one of these things. And on the side of the wheel, kind of making it heavier than the other empty side. And there it turns. There you go. Physics. It just kind of moves. There you Nice. There you go. Good <laughs> job. You. Good job, ancient peoples. And the weight turns the wheel and the water flows into the kind of tail water area. And then when the wheel rotates enough, kind of to invert the buckets. Okay. And the overshot design is supposedly very efficient and does not require a rapid flow. That's why it, uh, that works there a little bit better. Nearly all of the energy is gained from the weight of the water lowered to the tail race, although a small contribution may be made by the kinetic energy of the water entering the wheel itself. Mm. So there you go. That's all I'm going to say. Water wheel turns, moves things. Now we got grain. Crushed. Moved. Grinding. Rosie the donkey. She doesn't need to be here. Let's just say Aww, that. Oh, poor Rosie. No, she doesn't need to. She can frolic in the fields or something. She doesn't need to be tied she likes to be needed to a wheel. Oh well, then Rosie's out of a job. Rosie the donkey. Speaking of a uh, water wheel itself, I'm not really feeling this episode though. I'm going to tell you why. I don't know. It's just me. That's why I think we need a wheel of fortune action to brighten up the episode. That's the name of the theme for this particular minute. The music, Wheel of Fortune. Yes, Wheel of Fortune is a musical theme composed and conducted by Hans Zimmer for Dead Man's Chest. Appears on the film's soundtrack as track number nine. That's what we get here. Wheel of Fortune. Kind of is, uh, it, well, it utilizes excerpts of other tracks, such as Jack Sparrow, The Kraken, and He's a Pirate from Curse of the Black Pearl. And it takes its name from the water wheel sequence, obviously on Isla Cruces, and is reprised in part, and I don't think now is the best time, which is a soundtrack on Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End. Huh. So it actually comes back. In a, in a way. It's kind of, uh, like I said, reprised part of it does. So there you go. Did you have other water wheel action you were going to mention? I have information on the water wheel. On this one or the, the one in the movie? I'm sorry. Excuse me. Historical I have documents? The one in the movie. I have information on the runaway mail wheel. Okay. <laughs> There's actually two of them. There's one that's um, on a cart supported by training wheels. Pulled by cables on which, uh, on a winch system with a ca- with camera platforms built onto training wheel onto the training wheel cart that surrounded it. Does that make sense? I know, but I'm gonna roll with it so you don't have to muscle through that again. <laughs> and the second version is named the painted roller. Yeah. Uh the wheel is attached to steel tow bars uh-huh. and was literally towed by a flatbed truck that also served as a makeshift camera platform at times. So this wheel, it was able to spin. Was it spinning? Was it spinning? Yeah. So it was spinning. Yeah. But it was so it was almost like a Ferris wheel on a separate flatbed kind of thing. So it could roll while spinning itself. Yeah. That way. It just wasn't, they just weren't actually rolling a wheel down with actors. Right. But it was on a platform that would spin, almost like a hamster wheel yeah. in place. But it, it said had... to allow the wheel to roll more smoothly, patches were created through the jungle. You, they actually did this in the jungle then. Yeah, they did it on Dominica and Exumas. Yeah? Yeah. 
They did it on huh. those two islands. Uh, that would have I would have thought that that would have been so. I mean, no. Looking at it, I can you can understand that it was filmed out there, but it just looks like such a CGI could could have been happening thing here. No, it's real or green screen kind of thing. In fact, the actor said that it um they did some of the stunt work and that that it was a pretty strenuous activity. They had them up there. Oh yeah. God, I don't know. On some of really? it, yeah, yeah. And it said. If the train was too rough, it made it impossible for performers to stay on the wheel or maintain the necessary hand and eye coordination for the fight. Oh, of course. So they had huh. to actually smooth out pot- patches and stuff. Well, that's crazy. Yeah. That makes it even more of a daring, incredible stunt than... Exactly. I wonder how fast it was actually oh. going, though, spinning. I don't know. It didn't give you that. Because it, at some point, it becomes so much of trying to just make sure you're not going to fall off of it. Yeah. Yeah. As opposed to trying to make sure you're doing the acting and the the play fighting there, right? The choreography, I should say. Um, this act, the wheel wheel was a collaboration of the special effects, visual effects, production designer, art director, prop master, construction coordinator, director of photography, camera operators, and more. Wow! Yeah, so everybody was involved in this thing. I would have to imagine it was a pretty big production deal. And and that's probably why it stands out. It does look good. Yeah. It doesn't look like some kind of green screen craziness. But even though I thought maybe that that was possibly how they did it. But that's why a lot of people remember this whole scene. Yeah. I mean, I just got to believe that it is the case. Because if you bring up the wheel fighting, that people just automatically... Or if you maybe ask them about Dead Man's Chest, that's probably what comes to mind. Yeah. They said it was a uh, one of the most imaginative and expansive stunts for Dead Man's Chest. Well, there you go. Yeah. But I was trying to remember if I've seen that somewhere else besides in cartoons. No. And I couldn't think of anything. It doesn't mean it's not out there, but I couldn't think of another movie or something where they did something like that. At one point in time, they strapped Jack down inside the wheel. And they said, you're going to be going, this is going to be kind of weird because you'll be going upside down and stuff. They actually they no. strapped him down. Jack inside. or Johnny Depp? Johnny they Depp. actually strapped Johnny Depp yeah. down, turned him around in circles yeah. in there. Really? Yeah. yeah. Huh? To get the the looks and feel of him going around? Yeah. All right. That's a little weird. Told you. Huh? Pretty impressed by that. Exactly. No runaway wheel here, since I'm not going to call it a water or mill, just a just a wheel. Yeah. Goes towards Hampstead Beach, which is a stretch of sand on the island's northeast coast, backed by lush jungle and coconut palm groves, which is the site of the three-way sword fight thing. <laughs> it's also where Jack Sparrow narrowly escapes the horde of enraged Pelagosto. Remember, he's running on the beach there? Yes. Kind of the same site. So unlike the Dominican Republic, the Commonwealth of Dominica has no resorts, and it's nicknamed the natural, not natural, it's the nature island. <laughs> natural the natural i don't know it's often been said that it's the uh, only caribbean island that columbus would still recognize which is kind of cool yeah if that's the one that's been untouched except for carved paths and churches that were added to it that's the one that he would recognize that's it's pretty cool that that it hasn't changed that much it's also bordered on one side by warm calm caribbean sea and by the cold and rough Atlantic Ocean on the other, it has shunned developers or been shunned by developers, they say, because the coastline is so rocky that uh, tourists just don't want to go there. 
or it's you know it's just not easy for developers to to build on it because nobody wants to go there. Yeah. It's not like these big open beaches where they want to hang out. Have a bunch of people just hanging around rocky cliffs. It's not usually, you know, well, what they want to do. When they were searching for the site, yeah. They were um <laughs> it was like uh oh, who was it? Anyway, they were found a place that maybe it was Verbinski. He found this place and they're like, no way, dude, because it was so, the weather, the water was so rough and everything. And to try to actually get people onto this island, they're like, how are we going to do this? But that's the spot he picked. That's why they were saying in, in when I was lo- reading about the location is in the fact that developers and resorts haven't popped up there. Yeah. Is because the side where there is nice, some nice beach action, the weather, like you were just saying, is so changeable and it's just constantly changing that it just makes people want to avoid the area so they don't go there it's not like you're going to be going to some white sandy hawaiian beach or something like that and it's and it's typically nice most of the year this thing is just tumultuous and it's changing all the time is it just just doesn't make a good tourist destination yeah so so it's been saved so the thing that actually saves nature from humans is nature there you go exactly in my uh Dead Man's Chest Travels Not for Locations. I did come across a 2006 film review. This was by uh, Nicholas Barber on The Independent. Kind of a UK publication thing here. Or not kind of. It actually is. <laughs> it's not like it's some kind of hybrid thing. But it's not overwhelmingly positive as far as reviews go. And the reason I even mention it now is because he actually calls out the water wheel thing. So here you go. I'm just going to read this part. There are quite a few imaginative set pieces in Pirates of the Caribbean Dead Man's Chest the sequel to Disney's surprise hit of 2003. One of these has a water wheel rolling through a jungle. Orlando Bloom and Jack Davenport are sword fighting on the rim of the wheel. Johnny Depp is inside it, like an exercising hamster. And all three are battling to get their hands on the key to a magical treasure chest. First of all, magical treasure chest. You need to watch this movie more closely there, (laughs) sir. Anyways, he goes on. It's a sequence you watch with detached admiration, with a sense that if you actually gave a monkey about it, any of these pretty boys, and if you had the faintest notion of how they all happen to be, and if you had the faintest notion of how they all happen to converge on that particular tropical island, then their tussle might be rip-roaring. But you don't, and it isn't. So, I read that. And for one thing, A, kind of sounds like Nicholas didn't much care for this flick. And nor did he pay attention to it, for one thing. But he does like the Flying Dutchman crew, because he goes on to talk about them, and practically misses the whole point on the film. So I'm not going to give much stock to this whole review anyways, but the fact that he specifically calls out this scene shows me it's like so iconic and memorable that even critics or other people, it's enough to be some kind of type of perpetual motion machine for the franchise this is what people seem to talk about even in the day that's what called out and i think that's what a movie is looking for especially a big franchise kind of like this if they get people talking about some kind of spectacular scene and they did something a bit innovative not only just with the cgi effects and how they kind of were able to go off of a green screen kind of thing or the animation that they did in the first one but actually use CG out in the field, which was a big hurdle that they overcame. It just shows how incredible ILM was in the development of Pirates of the Caribbean in these movies. That even within the second one, they've already made leaps and bounds again in the special effects field. Yeah. 
computer effects and all that kind of stuff. So that that's why I wanted to to bring that up. I have to say your scoff on the magical box. It is kind of a magical box. Years into the future, pirates will prevail. Finally, we've conquered death. All our worries gone. Every night our souls will rest till the break of dawn. And the ship sails on, back into beyond, over again. When I sing the song, it's my home. Until the end, centuries across the sea is not enough for me. All I want is to be free and hail Captain Blood. On and on eternally, with life of piracy, hail the curse of Gilmackie and hail Captain Blood. It is a magical box, it keeps but it's a heart called, alive. It's called Dead Man's Chest, though. It's right there in the freaking title. If this guy would have opened his eyes and read his article and said, "What movie is this?" It's not Pirates of the Caribbean and the Magical Chest or Treasure or whatever he said. It's Pirates of the Caribbean Dead Man's Chest. It's right there. It's not that difficult to remember. I know I stumble across Dead Man's Chest and Dead Men Tell No Tales, but come on, I'm not a professional reviewer. I just talk about this. Damn near on a daily basis. Pirates of the Caribbean comes up all the time. I know the show has gone from daily episodes to a couple episodes to one episode a week. But hey, it still comes up a lot. And it's just even even now, I'm getting a little irritated at this guy. <laughs> now you push my buttons by bringing it up. And this is the animation I needed for the beginning of the show. Because I felt like I was just going through the motions. But now I'm all fired up. Now we need to redo the whole show. Go back over it. Redo all of that. Then it'll be fake. I know it'll be fake. I'm just saying, this guy should have read it a little better. And that's something that we did in the... I think during the credits of the first season, when we finally hit those credits, we looked at some reviews. I'm kind of looking forward to doing some more reviews for (laughs) credits when we finally reach this in season two. I mean, we still have what? What are we? 20 episodes? Something like that? I don't know. Somewhere in that neighborhood. Left for season two. Dead man's chest. Do you have anything else? No, that's it for me. That's all? Yep. Eh, It felt like a short episode. But it is what it is. Because they're fighting. Damn fighting. But anyways, uh, as usual, thanks for listening, Scallywags. If you like the show, give us a review on iTunes. Helps us out. And we'd greatly appreciate it. If you go, yeah, that was a lackluster episode. Hey, maybe I agree. So go back and listen to some of the other ones if you want. Listen to those again and you'll go, my God, they are really good. Sometimes. Here and there. Hey, there's a diamond every once every 20 episodes. So yeah, just live with it. Have a question or comment? Give us a call at 8637-PIRATE. Tell us, yeah, that was a lackluster episode. Or, hey, you actually came alive at the end. Congratulations. Bring it full circle with us anyways. But for all that kind of stuff, you can give us a shout at podcast at blackpearlshow.com. And don't forget to join the post-episode brawls on Facebook, Facebook listeners group, and on Twitter. I'm not even going to mention SoundCloud right now. We just not aren't there. I need to get back my act, my act of posting actively. So we'll be back with the latest episode of the Black Pearl Show coming up. What are we going to be on? Minutes one fourteen and one fifteen. We're Whatever getting there. The next ones are. Yeah, and of course, delivering parts of the Caribbean info to the masses as the dirty, filthy bilge rats we are. Analyzing, scrutinizing, and plundering. Until then, scallywags, let's keep the horns woggling to a minimum. Is not enough for me. All I want is to be free and hail Captain Blood. On and on eternally. One life of piracy. Hail the curse of Gilmanky and hail Captain Blood. Hail Captain Blood. Hail.
You've been listening to the Black Pearl Show, and we appreciate it, scallywags. Pirates don't need no stinking disclaimers, but just for fun, I think all you dirty, filthy bilge rats know that Disney and Bruckheimer Films have no affiliation with us at all, and we have none with those blooming cockroaches. We talk about Pirates of the Caribbean, which is their property, and all that other fun stuff. But I think it's obvious what's ours and what's theirs. There's no need to blur the lines or stir up a bloody rum-filled sweat. As for the music, that's with permission or licensed under Creative Commons. So let's give a shout-out to Ross Bugden, Six Nail Coffin, and Tommy Wynn. The rest... Well, that's just me. Oh, maybe Heather. This is a Shoutreach Media Production.